You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Shannon Osaka, and I'm the climate zeitgeist reporter for the Washington Post. And today I am joined by Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg, whose city has been inundated by floods, extreme rain, and power outages in the last few weeks. Mayor Steinberg, thank you so much for joining us. Shannon, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So I can see from your background that it looks like you're having a little bit of a reprieve finally from some of the intense rain and atmospheric rivers. Talk about what is going on on the ground right now in Sacramento. Well, uh, we're finally getting a reprieve, but we don't know uh, for how long. And that's really been the problem. It's not been so uh, severe. It's that they have been so frequent and the time in between the atmospheric river storms have been so short that there has been very little time to recover. So we've had, you know, a thousand trees down. We've had hundreds of storm drains clogged. Uh, we've had some street flooding, although uh, in our city, as opposed to the south part of the county, our levee system uh, has held up really well as a result of decades of federal, uh, state, and local investment in uh, flood protection. And so we just hope that we get uh, a reprieve so that uh, we can clean up the city. It, it looks a little like a tree carnage, to be honest with you. Go out into the into the parks, uh, Land Park, one of our quintessential beautiful regional parks, they're just trees uh, all over. And so it's going to take some time to recover. Uh, and of course, the loss of life uh, is the most tragic, two unsheltered people. We've lost uh, five people or so in the in the county uh, as a whole. And, you know, one life is too many. Uh, but it's a resilient city. Uh, it's a resilient county. It's a resilient region, always has been. And um, we're, we will come back. It's just we're living in extraordinary times, which I know uh, is the topic of our conversation today. Absolutely. And, you know, the media has a tendency to focus really closely on these storms and events when they're happening and then move on. But at the same time, I mean, it's a lengthy recovery process. Lives have been lost. Property has been damaged. How long do you expect this recovery to take? I mean, I think it's going to take weeks, if not months. I know that um, I'm really proud of our public employees, I've got to say. Here at the city, the county, the municipal utilities district, I mean, these are people that don't get a lot of uh, attention and certainly press, but they deserve it. I mean, 12-hour uh, shifts, uh, sometimes longer, uh, people who are just working around the clock to make sure that people are safe and that uh, the city gets cleaned up sooner than later. But it's going to take weeks, if not months. Uh, Undoubtedly, but look, I, I have perspective. The loss of life is uh, the worst thing, obviously, but we can recover from damage. And frankly, in our city, because as I said earlier, we have spent so many years uh, preparing for uh, water events, for flood events, um, our levee system is hold, held. Our federal and state uh, uh, reservoir system has, has held. The rivers are high. But they haven't been so high that uh, we have flooded. And, you know, so I, I, the word for 2023 is gratitude. And I think we have a lot uh, to be grateful for here in our city. 
That's great to hear. And how are you looking? I mean, looking forward, we're expecting more and more of these types of events. Obviously, there's climate change and that's playing a big role here. How do you ensure that the recovery is sustainable, that people are not building homes in flood prone areas? How are you looking to ensure that going forward? Well, I mean, let's let's put this in perspective because I think it's really, really important for uh, the people watching this to know that in California, between 2000 and 2021, we had the driest 21 years in a thousand years. And then in late 2022, and of course, January of 2023, we have had this incredible deluge of water and wind and storms. And so the climate deniers, of course, are no longer really in vogue. But there still in this nation, I think, is not a realization that climate is at the root. It must be at the root of so many of these extreme weather events. You know, in the 1980s, we went 82 days uh, on average uh, between billion dollar, so-called billion dollar catastrophes. This year and in 2021, 2022, the average distance between billion dollar catastrophes is 18 days. The weather and the climate is at the heart of it. And so what do we do to prepare? Well, certainly we're lucky to be part of a state, California, that has made unprecedented investments in uh, ensuring our climate future, or at least doing everything we can to avoid catastrophe, whether it's our 100% renewable energy portfolio standard, uh, by 2045, 90% by 2035, whether it's banning gas-powered cars by 2035, whether it's our ever-increasing um, investments in, in storage, which we need to store uh, energy during uh, the, 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 the weak times so that uh, when, or during the strong times, excuse me, so that when we're low on energy, we have something to make up for it. Um, stability uh, is really, really important. And so we're on the forefront. I mean, the governor's budget uh, last year had over $50 billion worth of investment in climate change. And that's in addition to improving the condition of our levees. Here at a city level, you know, we're not the state government, but I'll tell you one thing that we are focused on like a laser, and that is infill housing. I mean, this is what cities can do. We've got to build more housing and we have to build it in ways that are uh, more conducive and friendly to the climate. And that's a big part of what we focus on here in the capital city. I want to come back to the housing question a little bit later, but you know, you're talking about this sort of drought to deluge shift. And I grew up in California. I mean, most of the time growing up, we were in a drought state. I mean, was there an aspect here where people were a little bit caught off guard or unprepared because we'd gotten used to these drought states for so many years and then switching over to this flood state? Well, maybe it was a surprise to people, uh, but I don't think we were unprepared. I think that's different. And I know the topic here is leadership. And, you know, I happen to be the mayor of this city, but it's the leadership from so many quarters, from our federal congressional delegation, Congresswoman Matsui, has fought for flood protection for uh, for decades here uh, for the capital city. It's it's our local flood control agency. It's the state government. I was the president of the state Senate for six years, and we uh, focused 
a, a huge amount on water and on flood protection. Uh, and it's the local voters who have consistently assessed themselves to make sure that we are paying for flood protection. Sacramento is uh, on a flood is in a floodplain. We're at the confluence of two rivers, the American and Sacramento rivers. And as a result, we've known for a long time that um, it, that one in 50 or that one in 100 storm is going to come. Now, I'm not sure that this was it, but mm -hmm. our, our, our levees held and that I'm really grateful for that. So what do we do to prepare? We continue to be aggressive about uh, a climate friendly future. We just passed a major electrification ordinance in this city. All new city buildings and all new private buildings um, are going to have to be all electric. It's been controversial, especially in some quarters of the restaurant industry uh, where gas cooking has been the culture and tradition. But we've got to move forward and we have to be a leader as the capital city of California. Yeah, and we've seen that sort of gas stove debate kind of thrust into the national eye in the last week, which has been very interesting. I'm curious, you know, you're talking about leadership and the leadership that Sacramento has taken. Are there things that you are looking for from Governor Newsom or from President Biden in terms of preparedness going forward? Well, the beauty of uh, the relationships that we have um, with the state administration, with Governor Newsom, he's a friend and an ally. Uh, uh, Vice President Harris uh, was my colleague uh, in state government for years. They've reached out directly and um, I've offered anything that we need. Um, and certainly the federal share under Build Back Better, uh, the resources available through FEMA, uh, the offers to help us with the cleanup, um, they are very responsive to everything that that we need. But really, it's this is um, a, a human endeavor to clean up. It's really our public workforce. It's our communities that are going to clean up the city. And then, you know, you can't prevent. Here's the thing: we cannot prevent the next uh, climate event, the next uh, deluge. But we can prepare and continue to make sure that not just our generation, but future generations maybe have a different future because we have achieved carbon neutrality and we've begun to turn the tide in terms of the climate crisis, not just in Sacramento, but in California, in the country and in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think one thing, again, from growing up in California, there there is this sense that you know, all of these weather events are coming more and more frequently, more and more quickly. And so people are facing wildfires, they're facing droughts, they're facing floods. I mean, what do you say to your constituents about who are maybe concerned that living in California is just becoming an increasingly dangerous proposition? Well, I say that um, what's happening in California is happening in different ways throughout the country. I mean, you think about what people on the East Coast and the Midwest live through with uh, winters. You think about hurricanes, you think about tornadoes, um, what goes on in the Southwest of, uh, of this country. And so uh, we are not alone um, and California remains a beautiful place to live. It still is the center of the greatest university system in the world. Um, it is still uh, a, a land of opportunity. Um, it's a growing state, um, and so what comes with what comes with that are, are are challenges, you know. But here's what I say: that what we can control, 
We have an obligation to control that what we can prevent. We have an obligation to prevent uh, that that we have an obligation to prepare for. We must prepare. And that's what really this is about. I mean, California is leading the nation and the world when it comes to climate. You look at um, the AB 32 back from uh, the old days in 20 and 2004, where we set a standard to reduce greenhouse gas emissions below 1990 levels dramatically. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. The 100% renewable portfolio energy standard banning gas powered cars and forcing this uh, transition to electric 18% of car sales in California last year were electric cars. Now, I guarantee you that number is going to increase and it's going to increase more dramatically in California because of the incentives and because of the investments. That's all we can do. You control what you control and what you can't control. You just uh, work together and stick together. Absolutely. Yeah. And it has been amazing seeing the shift to electric vehicles in California that started slow and then now it's really taken off. When, when thinking about Sacramento, I mean, you talked about that new building electrification plan. What else is Sacramento doing as a city to mitigate climate change and to cut its own carbon footprint? Well, we, we need to do a lot more, that's for sure. We need to build out our, our public transit system in a mm -hmm. smart way. And maybe most importantly, Sacramento is the center of what I call the SB 375 debate. Now, the listeners may not know about that across the country, but I say with pride of authorship, that was the bill I authored when I was uh, a, a state senator back in 2006, 2007. It sets the national standard for uh, improving the climate through better land use, transportation and housing policies. All 17 regions of the state, including the Sacramento region, have committed to significant reductions in greenhouse gas emissions by the way we grow. In other words, we used to call it smart growth. How do we incentivize growth in ways that people can bike or walk from where they live to where they work to where they play? And one of the great and exciting things about Sacramento, as I said at the, at the beginning, is that we are focused on infill housing like never before. You know, the climate crisis obviously is existential, but I will tell you, we have an equally compelling crisis in California and in Sacramento, and that is housing and affordable housing. And of course, its most uh, severe consequence, and that is unsheltered homelessness. Um, we are on a drive to build more affordable housing. And as we do so, we're trying to build it closer to the city center, closer to the transit lines, closer to where people work because the downtown is still the center of uh, the state workforce and the local workforce. And um, this is our drive and it's our drive, not just in the city, but in the region and also throughout California, because ultimately, unless uh, this next generation chooses to live differently, to conserve, to conserve the land, um, to not use single occupancy vehicles, and if they do, to buy and use electric um, and, and, to, and, and to change the lifestyle, then it is going to be hard uh, to, to arrest the crisis that we are living through today. But we have that power in our, our hands. And as a city, um, it's about 375, and it's about building more affordable housing, especially closer to the city center. 
I'm so glad you mentioned the housing crisis and the importance of building new housing. I mean, during the flooding, I think two um, houseless people were killed in Sacramento. And I mean, it just shines a light on how, you know, homeless people are much more exposed to extreme weather and these natural disasters. Uh, what is the best way, what ways are you looking at to try to protect homeless people from natural disasters, in addition to trying to build out that housing and, you know, address the homelessness issue more generally? Well, we opened a, a number of respite centers with the county of Sacramento throughout the storm. And, you know, uh, the the the, the beds were um, were there, but we were under capacity most nights. And what does that tell us? It tells us that a lot of people are afraid to come in, um, even in severe weather, because um, they have to then leave their possessions and um, there's a lot of trauma and fear in coming in. And so here's what's happening in Sacramento that I think is unique and has the potential for uh, state and national impact. The city and county of Sacramento at the end of 2022 entered into a legally binding partnership agreement. Under that agreement, the county and the city have obligated themselves to actually do more extensive outreach engagement in the numerous tent encampments in the city. Um, we're hiring 50 new workers together, uh, the city, county, and the health plans. And our obligation is to is to get into those tent encampments in a in a humane way, focusing on the needs of the people. 20 encampments a month once we get to scale. That's over 200 a year if we do it right. And then the county has obligated itself, I think the first in the nation, to do whatever it takes medically, mental health-wise, substance abuse-wise, shelter and housing-wise, to bring people off the streets. What we're creating here in California and in Sacramento is close tantamount to a right to mental health care, a right to shelter, a right to housing. If it's done right and implementation is everything, and we can't take that for granted, we have a chance to make a real difference because no one should be outside. I mean, I, I come from, you know, the progressive part of the political spectrum. I believe in a right to shelter, a right to housing, a right to care. And at the same time, I believe that people should be obligated to come indoors. But it's on us first to provide that capacity and those opportunities and to get out in those encampments because People are not going to come in uh, by themselves when you're when you're sick, when you're traumatized, when you've been out there for a long time. You're not walking into a clinic. We got to get out there and meet people where they are. And that's what we intend to do. But implementation is everything. Thanks so much, Mayor Steinberg. I mean, it will be really interesting to see how that program works and whether it's effective in getting these people into the help and into the shelter that they need. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but it has been so wonderful talking to you. So we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, good thoughts for everybody in Sacramento and throughout the country living through these weather events and tough times. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.